I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. First of all, before we start... Happy New Year. We hope you've had an amazing festive period. This is the first episode of the year, and I'm so excited to bring an episode that will kick off 2024 with all the best intentions. And I just want to say, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so excited to spend the next year with you all. I know that people listen to this podcast when flying in a plane, going to bed at night, and of course, stomping through the fields, villages, and the cities of the UK, and actually around the world too. So thank you, and I hope I can be a friend to your ears and your life over the next 12 months and more. This week, I'm stomping with health expert, author, podcast, and practicing doctor of more than 20 years, Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. Dr. Rongan has written five Sunday Times best-selling books, all aimed at educating people about the simple steps they can take to have more control of their health. His podcast, Feel Better, Live More, has had more than 200 million listens, and I'm looking forward to delving into some of the facts, tips and advice he's learned over the last six years of recording. I've actually met Dr. Rongan before. He was a guest on my first podcast, The Waiting Room, back in 2020. I cannot believe four years have flown by. In the next three parts, we're going to cover what are the four pillars of health and why overlooking them might be to your peril. Part two, how can we all find happiness in 2024? And is happiness really the goal? In part three, daily habits of successful people. What do we need to know? This is going to be a cracker. Let's dive in. Well, Rong, and welcome to the Stompcast. It's not the first time I've welcomed you to a uh, podcast. We sat down in, in January four years ago in 2020 for an episode of The Waiting Room. Was and it I that must, long ago? It was four years ago, oh which, which is crazy to me. And I must admit, I, was, I remember being so nervous that day because even at that point, you've been doing your podcast for two years and you know you i saw you as like the the daddy of of health podcasting oh. as well as someone as i said to you at the time i've watched on tv from all your documentaries and stuff i was like i, I respect this guy a lot oh, and what happens you. is that makes you nervous <laughs> yeah. but i'm a lot less nervous this time because i don't know i've been doing this for for a little while i met you that day and i thought you know what you know you meet someone and you realize that we're all quite similar as people um, and I was very glad to realize as well that you know you you are a nice guy just as you oh, seem. thank you so I, thank I, you I remember for that very well I was chatting to my daughter this morning over breakfast telling her that I was going to see she oh, have you met him before I said actually I have darling yeah met him a few years ago went yeah. on this podcast I think it was downstairs somewhere in yeah, London yeah it was in Soho, uh, Soho it Radio was, it was really lovely to have that chat with you so I, I remember it well as well I enjoyed it and that episode did fantastically and I think it's because you have such a way of taking quite sometimes not just complex but quite heavy and noisy kind of medical information and make it in a way that people feel that they can relate to digest and apply 
because you know there's so much kind of science and knowledge and research out there that it, it becomes really daunting so I'm, look, I'm looking forward to us delving in today into some specific kind of questions that we're going to try and talk about and answer and in part one i thought we'd talk about the the four pillars uh, of of health like you, you kind of broken down over the years you know health into into certain categories i guess i wonder perhaps to make them more easy for people to kind of focus on but also because you clearly think they're important so i wondered if you could just start by showing what the pillars are and you know are these truly the foundations that people can start with to be that bit healthier in their lives yeah alex you said a couple of things there right one thing you said was about simplifying this wealth of scientific information information online wherever it comes from I think there is a tsunami of information out there these days and what I see, whether it's with patients or with members of the public or with my friends, is that people are feeling confused, mm. right? And for all the latest scientific advancements over the past years, of which there are many, when it comes to basic human health, I don't think we've learned that much new, if I'm honest. Like, I think the foundational pillars of health have been known by humans for years, like years. And you say, you know, for me, when I wrote my first book, The Four Pillar Plan, my whole goal was to go, well, how do you simplify, right? I remember chatting to my publishers about, you know, the sort of book you're going to write. Mm. And sometimes you talk about, you know, people want like a weight loss book or an autoimmune disease book or a type 2 diabetes book or a book on mental health or whatever it might be. And that's all fine. But to me, sitting beneath all of them are these foundational pillars of health, food, movement, sleep, and relaxation. Now, when I say that, a lot of people will think of prevention. Yeah, prevention is better than cure, right? Let's look after ourselves so we don't get sick. But it's not just prevention. Look, I've seen patients, Alex, for over 20 years now, right? So I've seen tens of thousands of patients. And I have been using these four pillars to get patients well, even if they've been diagnosed with a condition, right? You can't always do it with just those four things, but they're much more powerful than people think. And so I think the reason that approach resonates with people so much is because I'm not asking people for perfection, right? That's not possible. Mm. Like people are stressed out, they're leading busy lives, they've got lots of competing priorities. Mm. And what I said in my, my initial book was that, look, you don't need to be perfect in any one of these four pillars, mm. but you do need to pay attention to all of them. Mm. You don't have to, you know, I'll tell you a common example I would see. I would see people who thought, okay, diet's really important. So, you know, I'm gonna really, really focus on getting my diet good. Okay, I've got no problem with that. But the diet was like 85% really, really good. And they were, really obsessed with getting it 5% better at the same time neglecting that they're only sleeping five hours a night. So my approach is very much like, look, you have got most of the benefits you're going to get from your diet, but we need to now address sleep before we go anything more with diet. So I, I still believe that today, as I did when we last spoke, and as I have done for many years, that pretty much all of us will benefit from looking at those four pillars and if anyone's listening, Alex, and they're not sure where to start... Your ask, podcast is a good place. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I can't Feel believe it's six more, years yeah. now. Yeah. 
I think my join the other join the other 200 million listeners or whatever it's been over that time. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> incredible that I get to do that, and I enjoy it, and I think I get as much out of it as any of the listeners. Your consistency in the message has actually been what's incredible about it, because as you said, you, I, you, we talked about this, you know, four years ago, and you know, four years later you still feel as passionately that this is, that this is I, I important. I do, and, and I think that you answer a really important point, Alex. There's more and more information coming out, right? But the problem is, is that I think a lot of that information is confusing people. Like they don't know, well, what do I do now? Oh, the new science says this. Honestly, the way I treat patients today is actually not a million miles away from the way I was treating patients five years ago or 10 years mm. ago because I've always had a bias towards lifestyle first. Mm -hmm. We don't get taught that, as you know, in no. medical school, no. right? And I have learned that if you understand how to personalize lifestyle change, understanding that some people mm. are gonna find it very tough, understanding that some people have got job pressures and family pressures, which make it hard for them to make the changes they wanna make, you can have, you know what? Not only do they feel better from a range of different conditions, mm -hmm. I'll let you give them something that I think we as doctors have to give each and every single one of our patients. And that's a sense of agency that mm. I can do something. I've not just been afflicted with this condition and I just need to take this medication. Mm. I'm not saying medication never has value. Of course it has value, but I always want to empower that patient mm. to believe, well, there's something I can do something I could do in my own life that's also going to help. Because we kind of, like, over the years, medicine's been very, like, paternal, maternalistic, or, like, we as the doctors, the, 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 the holders of knowledge, I guess, tell you what to do, you go and do it, and therefore you're going to feel better if you take this medication or otherwise. But perhaps what we've seen has shifted so much um, from, you know, I'd say people like you really started it, is actually, wait, the knowledge isn't owned by anyone. If we share the knowledge well and people understand the why, then they start, you know, finding the how and they stick to kind of things like habits. But let me just pick up something you said there about what we do when we tend to focus on things. Because you're right, I think people go in the new year and go, oh gosh, I want to work on my health a little bit. Right, what am I going to do? I'm going to start running. It may well have been that you already enjoyed running and now you're going to run even further. You were already doing three runs a week, now you're doing four. Or you go, right, um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to like, yeah, diet and eat even more healthy food. But your diet was already good. The magic is where where you were avoiding the stuff that you weren't avoiding. So, for example, sleep, isn't it? You know, my dad is a good example. He's someone that when, you know, he loves going to the gym and he, he exercises and his food is okay. And when he thinks, right, I'm going to be healthier, quote unquote, he does more of the same. But what he doesn't do is deal with the big issue that he has, that he doesn't sleep. Yeah, because he's human, right? And we're mm. all biased towards our favorite things. Yeah. So if you take those four pillars, all of us are going to have a favorite or one or two favorites that mm. yeah, yeah we like we like to movement's my favorite instantly. exactly we, we like to see stuff on instagram about movement we like to hear information because it it backs up what we already know and believe which is that movement is good and we feel great that's fantastic that can keep you engaged if you're thinking of falling off your movement practice mm. but we're often neglecting our weakest pillar mm. and people will have much more benefit they'll, they'll experience much more change in my view if they focus on bringing their weakest pillar up a little bit rather than making their strongest pillar even stronger.
That's so true. That's so true. That point of like, if you're already at 90%, focus on the one that's like 20% rather yeah. than pushing for 95%. Because often that final 5, 10% is so hard to do anyway. It's so hard. But even, let's say your sleep was at 20%. Mm. Okay, this is just rough percentages, right? You know, let's say compared to where your sleep could be, it's at 20%. Well, even getting that from 20 to 30% mm. will have a huge benefit. That's a third increase, right? Or, or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're sleeping five hours a night only and you can mm. bring that up to five and a half hours, yeah. you, you, you'll feel a difference and your physiology will change. Last time Professor Matthew Walker came on my podcast, we, we spent quite a bit of time mm. talking about this because we have to get out of this mentality of perfection. Mm. If, you know, some people feel if I can't get eight hours sleep a night, well, forget it. You know, there's no difference between seven or six or five. No, it's no, like a see. black and white thinking, isn't it? Yeah. It's either everything or it's nothing. That used to be me. That was me mm. for much of my life. Very, very mm. black or white. In fact, I would say the reason why I no longer do New Year's resolutions is because I realized that I was very black or white. You know, the wrong enough, let's say five, six years ago, I would say, right, this is the year meditation is going to happen. Right, I know the benefits. I've done some podcasts on it, right? <laughs> I've done a couple I've of seen the studies. And I would do it and I'd get 20 minutes a day. And you know what? I'd do it for two or three weeks. And I'd be feeling good. I'm like, yeah, this is the year. I'm rocking it. And then something would happen. I'd be busy. I'd miss a day. And then the negative self talk would start. You know, oh, you couldn't do it, could you? Before, you know, I hadn't done it for three or four days. And then, you go from everything to nothing. And I've realized, Alex, that actually, in my view, the reason why most New Year's resolutions do not work for most people is because they come from an energy of lack rather than an energy of abundance. So we feel there's there's something missing. We're not good enough in who we are. We're not achieving that mythical ideal we have in our heads. And so I feel many people try and punish themselves at New Year through the lens of fitness. Go, okay, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush it spinning four times a week at the gym. Um, listen, I've got nothing against that. But if, it's, if you're beating yourself up if you can't do it, if you're not managing to do it, and you're feeling bad about yourself, even though you're going twice a week, I think that negative self-talk, it, it often creates like a guilt. Mm. And I don't think that energy helps people make change in the long term. So now I've got a much more forgiving and loving relationship with myself. So I actually don't need to do New Year's resolutions anymore. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
as we're recording just before that you know you're, you're coming up this time you might be listening to this in the new year so as it stands you haven't made any new year's resolutions have you done any kind of goals or have you allowed is it a reflective time for you or have you just allowed that to pass and focus on no, what you're doing i would doing? say it is a reflective time for me mm. but less and less so less and less so so i don't know you interviewed me last in 2020 right i can't honestly remember if i did new year's resolutions then I suspect they were starting to phase out, but I would still do a big reflection. I'm a very self-reflective person anyway, so I will do that regularly throughout the year anyway. And that's the argument, isn't it, is that really we shouldn't, if we're waiting to do our reflection just on New Year's, we should be doing that as we go. It's like, how do you know where you're at if you're not doing, it's kind of like a med school, right? And actually in practice, we kind of like the continual reflective practice. I know we kind of slightly roll our eyes at it, think when you think about your portfolio, true. but it's actually important to, the key word is like continual reflective practice. And I must admit, I, do, I don't do resolutions either. I've stopped as well. That's why I asked that question. But what I do do is kind of a, a year's summary now. And why I like doing that is because it's nice to look back and reflect on the many good things that are there and go, do you know what? Actually, this year I have really done, you know, as, as quick as we are to beat ourselves on things, I have done a lot of really good things I'm proud of. And actually, if I look at my personal life, I set out to learn to ride a motorbike this year. I can ride a motorbike or I really wanted to get back into fitness. I've done a year of, all right, I haven't been to the gym every time. Okay, I've had some times where I've not gone very much for a week. But you know what? I've done a lot more movement than I did last year and I'm proud of it. Yeah, I, I love that, Alex. And I think a really key point to make here is that there is no one right way, right? So just because I'm sharing my opinion on New Year's resolutions, which is based on my own personal experience and what I've seen in many, many patients, it doesn't mean that there's not a few people out there For sure. who actually thrive on New Year's resolutions. So I'm very careful to not say that this applies to everyone. It's purely to say, listen, if you're someone who has done New Year's resolutions for the last 10 years, and you've not been very successful with them, and you felt really bad about yourself at the end of January because what you said you were gonna do, you didn't do, right? If that's you, I kind of invite you to consider maybe that's not the right approach for you. Maybe it's not that you need better resolutions. Maybe it's that resolutions aren't the right thing, right? That's how I would put it. And what you say about self-reflection, you know, you're absolutely right. And I, I would also agree at New Year, or maybe after the summer holidays, I, I will take time off in the summer to spend it with my wife and kids. I'm lucky I can do that with my work these days. I will be very reflective and I'll come back with a new focus. So I'm sure I'll do that around January as well. But for me, it's not always what can I bring in? Sure. These days, it's That's more really what can point. I take away? That's a really good point. I don't need to bring more stuff into my life. In fact, one of the reasons I would say I'm happier today than I've ever been in my life is because I'm stripping away more. I'm actually going, no, you know what? That is a great opportunity. And five years ago, I would have bitten your hand off for that. Mm. Not interested because that's going to take me away from my wife and my children. And those relationships are the things that give me real happiness and contentment. Again, this is for me at this stage in my life. You know, I'm 46. I'm happily married. My kids are 13 and 11. So the decisions I make now are probably going to be different from when I wasn't a dad, when I wasn't married. Different phases of life, but it's important to kind of, I guess, flow with those phases and re like realise that your priorities do change, I think, as you, you, you go through different kind of ages yeah, and you, stages. You said something about not celebrating enough sometimes. I can be guilty of that. 
Like many humans have gone from one extreme to another. So I think I used to be driven a lot by external validation and you can get all the external validation you want, but it doesn't fix how you feel about yourself, right? So I feel I've almost gone to another extreme now where I won't even celebrate anything. I mean, look, I'll give you real, I mean, this is a, maybe this isn't the best example. So Apple released their end of year charts last mm -hmm. week. Yeah. Right, so my podcast, Feel Better Live More, is the seventh most listened to show on Apple Podcasts in the UK. Which is flipping incredible. Which is amazing <laughs> for which a health show, incredible. right? Yeah. Amazing for any show. Now, I still haven't in, posted yeah, about any it. Any show is unbelievable. Because part of me is thinking, well, you know, you don't do it for that. You do it because you love it. You do it because it's helping people. And so I've clearly got an issue over, well, if I post about that, that clear, I, hopefully I will. Hopefully I'll get over this and I will. I think you really should. Because it's something, to, it's something mm. nice to celebrate. I know that I understand kind of, I can see why you, see you what I'm getting at? Because it's that feeling of like, wait, but it, wh why is this? But I think there is something that, you know, we can be proud of. Because the why of you do that podcast for me is pretty obvious. You love health. You love what you do. You like helping people. You wouldn't, you know, the amount of work, even I've seen from podcasting, the amount of work um, it is to run a podcast. You know, we worked it out, right? To do this podcast, the Stompcast, it takes 30 person hours per episode, right? How many? So 30 per 30 Three hours. Zero. Wow. Per person. By the time you include all the travel of all the individuals that get involved, or the edit, yeah. the idea, everything's about 30 hours per, per episode, right? We do it because we love it. It's hard work. So the reason you do it is because you love what you do. But I think it is something that you should be proud of to celebrate and show and share what you love. So yeah. I think I think it's it's not a sign of wanting external validation. You're sharing, like I'm proud. I've worked so hard at this. And so yeah, you should and be proud. I think you know, I probably will get to that point. I'm excited to like that post. For, well, for I me it's it. been a lot of self-reflection <laughs> going. I, like I in my head I'm like, okay, just get really clear on the intention mm. before you post it. Right? Get really that makes clear. Sense. That yeah, makes because sense. I think sometimes we do stuff and we don't get clear on the intention and then it makes us unhappy, yeah. right? And I've done that in the past. So, you know, maybe I'm being, it might sound a bit over the top, but I guess my weak spot, my Achilles heel, which gets in the way of my happiness is looking for external validation, right? That was my default setting for much of my life. So I'm always really mindful of that. Mm. Like I generally don't look at charts mm with the podcast because it doesn't do me any good mm. because it brings in an element of competition, mm. which is what I've tried to get rid of in my mm. life over the last five mm. or six years. Does that mm. make sense? It does. And I, I wonder if it is part, we're going to come on to in the third part, talking kind of habits and things of successful uh, people. And I just wonder how much of, I guess, competition and, you know, a lot of competition ultimately does even though you know, we look maybe what other people are doing, it actually fundamentally is usually about ourselves. We want to do better. That drives us to push and work harder, but there is a balance, isn't it? Because that can, that can also push us too far. I mean, look at med school, for example. Oh. You know, people made themselves sick, literally sick, because they didn't get like, the highest mark of the year. There's always that person you'd know who was basically making themselves physically ill because yeah. they wanted to get the highest mark, when actually, you know, something my dad has said to me, and he's absolutely right, a lot of the time, Good enough is good enough. And we hate to accept that, don't we, as people, but it is. That's a lesson for life right there. I mean, I, I would say your dad knows <laughs> what he's dad. talking about. Because, <laughs> good enough is good you know, enough. Do you know what one of my favorite phrases that I've come across over the past few years is? It's in the, I don't know if you know this, this old Chinese uh, philosophy text called the Tao Te Ching. And no, I don't know. I haven't heard it's, it. Um, 
there's a phrase in it in the English in one of the English translations which says true wealth is knowing what is enough that's amazing isn't it and I, that's amazing I literally love it I because love that so much I think you know I know we're going to get to happiness later but like one of the reasons we're not happy one of the reasons I wasn't happy in the past is because you're you keep chasing gosh that's you so, keep, can you say that one more time because it's so powerful you, you, well I think true, one of, true wealth is knowing true wealth is knowing what is enough what is enough true wealth and it's is a question you, you talk it's about new year amazing. you talk about reflections I I would say every few months I will sit with a journal usually on a Sunday when there's a, it's a bit calm I'll sit with a coffee mm. and I just sit there in my kitchen mm. and I'll ask myself what is enough I love that, wrong. And I must say, like when it, when it resonates deeply with me, because you know, I take an example. You know, I've been working the last three years basically to get early support hubs funded for oh, wow. for the for the country, right? And we've got these pilot hubs for so te, five million pound, ten pilot hubs, which we are going to be bringing in. 360 degree of view of health, oh. wraparound support. It's all based about getting young people the things that they need. Get Connection, movement, mate. you know, being a sense of purpose, like taking health back to what we know to work, those pillars really. And, um, you know, what happens? You get, you get the, the, the pilot hubs funded. Oh, but really I should have got the full funding. I should have, I, you know, why have I not got the whole national rollout funded in one go? And, and you start to have to check yourself and go, Alex, have you like lost your mind? You, you've got, you know, you've got these, these, so, you know, this thing that's going to be fundamentally a starting point and you're already going, oh gosh, yeah, but I should have done better, shouldn't I? But it's the, it's Ridiculous, the, isn't it's it? the human tendency. We adapt mm. to the new normal, right? And then that's our new norm. And so we're, we're, you know, humans, we've always sought to make progress and move our lives forward. Mm. And I think that served a goal for many years. I think in this modern world now, that drive can be incredibly problematic. It can, it can lead us to um, achieve amazing things. There was, a, there was a research report recently I read saying that 88% of UK workers have experienced some form of burnout over the past two years. Now, look, now that was one report. I actually don't know if that is reflective of the entire population. Well, the NHS, the recent report showed that 80% of surgeons in training are all clinically burnt and touted. So right. That's a similar number, actually. So, so whether it's, it is it's that high, high, it's high or a bit lower, it's a pretty worrying state of affairs in terms of us yeah. as a species now, right, yeah. in 2023, 2024. This is... Staggering. It's a real problem. And so knowing what is enough... <laughs> But to be clear, there's many reasons for burnout, okay? Many people have got toxic work environments, Absolutely. too much pressure, I get that. One of the reasons though, is that a lot of us keep pushing. We, we've got what we need for a happy life, mm. right? We may have a stable income, a roof mm. over our head, an ability to buy mm. food for us and our family. Mm-hmm. But we often believe that more money, a better phone, a nicer holiday is going to make us happier. Mm. And the problem is, is that often the things we have to do in order to get that better phone, that nicer holiday, right, is it means we push ourselves too hard, we neglect our health, we don't nourish those meaningful relationships that ultimately are what make us happy. And so we get that promotion, we get that job, but your marriage is on the rocks, your kids don't really want to hang out with you because they don't see you enough Mm. or whatever it might be and I've seen that with patients over Mm. and over again 
And so I'm very, very intentional. In fact, I would say the proudest thing for me about having this podcast do so well and chart that highly is actually I've managed to do it at the same time as having a fantastic relationship with my children, spending loads of time with them and having a great relationship with my wife. And so, you know, I know there's more things I could have done and it would be even more reach as a show. But I have intentionally said, no, you know what? Good enough is good enough. This is good enough. That's all I need. Good enough is good enough. It's making an impact. I enjoy it. And I get to, you know, I, my, my mum's not very well. She lives around the corner from me. Mm. I see my mum most days. Mm. I'm like, you know what? I like that. I'm 46, mm. got a job that I like. I get mm. to do good in the world. You know, it, it, it supports the lifestyle I want to lead. Mm. And I get to look after my mum. And I think that, mm. that's what enough looks like for me at, at mm. this moment in, life, in time anyway. Well, I'd say, obviously, we'd send our best wishes to, to your mum and, and also to you, know, to you uh, uh, congratulations. You know, it's been brilliant watching you do so well over the time. And as you say, in such a way, in such a consistent uh, fashion. Uh, we'll finish part one just with one very short question um, before we talk about happiness in part two. Of the four pillars, do you think there's one that society tends to neglect more than others? And is there a way, what is a kind of short, sharp way to, <laughs> a short, sharp way, but is there a way that we can address that? We started actually this conversation thinking about a lot of us, let's be honest, movement is a very quick one, or food. Which of the four pillars perhaps do you think we neglect? And what can we do to focus on it a bit better? I think the relaxation pillar is the one that we neglect the most. I think we have them for years. I think there's been a lot of focus on the importance of food and movement over the last few years. Sleep more so now has had a huge PR job done on it in yeah. a really great way, yeah. right? You and Matthew Walker have been talking a lot about sleep. Yeah, and I think people are aware of it. And of <laughs> course, they're good. all important. And for any individual, right, one's going to be more important than the others, depending on the state of your life. Mm. But societally, and this relates to what we were just saying about burnout, I think that chronic stress the fact that we're not relaxing enough, the fact that we're not switching off enough, I think is a huge, huge problem. And I don't think people realize how rapidly society has changed. I was literally this weekend talking to my children saying, you know, when I was a kid, supermarkets weren't open on Sundays. They couldn't believe it. Your supermarket was not open. Mm. Sunday was... Well, yeah, like, what did you do on Sundays then? Yeah, <laughs> like, you I spent chill. time with the family. You probably watched Formula One on, <laughs> yeah. on the afternoon. Yeah, and, you know, perfect. it was a real... Murray Walker on the old Formula totally, One. Totally. It was a total, total downshift in gears. Yeah. We don't have that now because you can do everything on a Sunday. All the time. Yeah, and I think that means, and I've fallen into this trap before, when you just, oh, just do a little bit of work, just keep going. So those, those weekends, or even if I completely break on a Sunday and do nothing related to work. Oh man, on a Monday morning, I feel like a different person than if I've done you know, just an hour before the kids got up in the morning or whatever it might be. So I think trying to have one slow day a week, if you can, I think it's incredibly powerful. And if you can't do that, I would say even just five or 10 minutes a day where you're not doing something to further family or work or whatever it might be to self-reflect like i'm a huge fan of journaling for example i think if you could do journaling let's say as a practice where you self-reflect on a regular basis i'm talking about just a few minutes a day well you start to get to know yourself better you start to pick up when you're 
overworking and doing too much, thinking, yeah, I'm quite irritable and moody at the moment. I haven't had a day off in ages. Maybe I need to go for a long walk today without my phone. Maybe I need to make sure I'm not working this coming weekend or whatever it might be. I think it's self-awareness that ultimately gives us the knowledge that we need to make those little changes, basically. Great advice. I love that. Have a slow day. Maybe that. Maybe we, just, we need to go back to what we always used to do and have Sundays as a chill day. Yeah. Right, guys, we'll see you in uh, uh, a mo or two uh, for part two. If you're um, subscribing to Apple Podcasts, all three parts are available from midnight on a Friday. Otherwise, they come out on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So see you very soon. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.